Since the dawn of civilization, humans have endeavored to become stronger and faster. From the invention of the wheel to today, history is replete with men and women who have applied innovation to fitness. But in the past 50 years, while millions have made livings in this industry, a select few have taken that passion to the highest level, creating brands and products known across the globe. Today we celebrate these pioneers, for they are the Gym Class Heroes. All right, welcome to Gym Class Heroes Fitness, the podcast presented by Athletic Business and the iClubs Conference coming to you November 20th through 22nd in San Diego, California. Independent ideas for club operators, uh, innovations, any eye you can think of, they're going to be covering it um, uh, down to Irvin Magic Johnson, whose best friend in the NBA was Isaiah Thomas. So I think I just created a perfect circle of what is happening at this event. <laughs> Kudos Completely to me. Completely done. Kudos to me. We, can end this. we should end this right now while we've, we've really nailed the opening right there, Lee. Yeah, that's the smartest thing I've done. By the way, you know, it's, so, it's very funny. We do this, we do this podcast weekly, and... I do not think we've had a podcast yet where we've come out of that we have not felt stupider than when we started because the people we interview are so smart. This is this is an uh, an even tougher challenge. We're we're oh, we're up against a, a Harvard MBA here. Yeah, I mean the very first question I'm going to ask this guy is does everybody in Harvard think less of everybody else in the world? I'm pretty sure the answer is yes, but I, I'm going to let him say it for himself. No, I think, uh, you know, I, I have to say when I was in uh, business school, it was the first time I'd ever been in the classroom with so many really impressive people. And it was humbling in many ways, but it was also really exciting. So, yeah, I guess the reputation of Harvard is what it, what it is. But for me, it was, I would say it was one of the better experiences i've had certainly educationally in my life i was very lucky to have it i could imagine well, with that with that said we should we should tell people who just had a great learning experience uh who that person was lee we we certainly should today our gym class hero potential we don't determine you're a gym class hero until after uh until after but uh i'm, I'm sure the credentials will lend itself to you winning this award <laughs> sir uh we were talking to uh, david von storch from urban adventures companies in washington and I think it's going to be an interesting story because so many people we talk to, it's about health, wellness, fitness, and creating this incredible indoor experience. And I think what what uh, what David, you have done is is thought much more bigger than what's happening indoors, and actually thought about uh, creating. Dare I say, are you potentially a mayor of Washington D.C.? Could that happen? <laughs> it depends how slow. It depends how small the sample is. <laughs> <laughs> Ho, ho, you have? Can you vote in D.C.? Uh, I used uh, to. You, oh, but you're not anymore? Because I know you're still a landowner. Yeah, yeah I am a landowner. <laughs> so David... Not like David, though. No, not no. like David. He's yeah, a... I, by the way, I think I think this is one of those times before we... Because we're going to talk a lot about uh, David. We're going to talk a lot about Vita. We're going to talk a lot about his facility, which I think is one of the most spectacular facilities in, in, in the entire country. Um, I want to let David tell us in as few words as possible, or as many words as possible, uh, everything up until fitness. David, why don't you, because I think it, 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 it deserves, I mean, what am I, if I say it, uh, every, every interaction I've ever had with any of your other brands have involved the beer you make, and I'm not sure that's the, that's the story you want me to be telling. 
That's true. Well, the the reality is is people say, "How did I get started in business?" And uh, I was working for a real estate developer in the mid '80s, right or late '80s, after I got out of business school. And I realized after I got a promotion, if I followed my career path through its eventual uh, apex, I realized that I would be in the position of doing things that really didn't interest me. And so it was only at that point when I, when I envisioned my the ultimate success in the company that I was working for that I realized that I wanted to do something different. And that was really the, the genesis of, of starting out on my own. And unlike a lot of people, particularly in the fitness business, I didn't have a passion. I didn't have something that got me out of bed that said, you know what, this is what I want to do. So I opened up what any intelligent 20-something would do. I opened up my own nightclub thinking that that would be fun and I would know what I was doing. And it was both, but I certainly didn't know what I was doing. I was lucky, and that was really how I got started. And I took the money that I made from that business and started another business, which was uh, Capital City Brewing Company. The backstory to that was when I sold the, uh, the nightclub, there was a prohibition uh, on uh, me doing anything else in that industry. So I was approached by a professor at Wharton Business School about uh, doing a brew pub and what I learned in business school was that you take advantage of opportunities either through innovation or legislative change or through some other force that's outside your own and certainly allowing the people, the district had just changed the law to allow beer to be brewed in the District of Columbia for the first time since prohibition. So that was clearly a, an opportunity. I'm not a real big beer drinker, but uh, it was a great opportunity and it really uh, propelled me forward uh, to a place where I could do things that I ultimately wanted to do. So after about three years at Capital City Brewery Company, I started to pursue something in fitness. And that was uh, something that I had realized as I was growing older was something that was, was important to me and did get me out of bed. So my journey to fitness was circuitous and it didn't start, I didn't start out as a trainer or working in a club. I started out doing different small businesses and came to the fitness industry only after I realized uh, I had the money and the resources to to do something that was meaningful to me. I think it's interesting. You first got people, uh, you gave them leisure, you got them fat, you got them drunk, and then you're like, you know what? These people are now growing old with me. We now need to get them healthy. It seemed like you, you know, when they say build your own market, I think you you did exactly <laughs> that, David. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, it really wasn't that clairvoyant. It was it was it was more out of self-preservation. Really, I was going had some health issues in uh, the early 90s that were really front and center for me. And I decided that fitness was a way for me to stay healthy and, and to, to, uh, to deal with it. And so fitness was really the, the focus. And once I became focused on fitness, as you guys know, fitness is one of those addictions that you can't shake. And uh, it's one of the better addictions to have. And I started that in 1995. So the interesting story about my starting the business here was that I kind of got a false start. In 1995, I acquired the building that I'm sitting in, which is the building that locate, is the location of our flagship, uh, Vita Fitness Penthouse, or Spa and Bank Salon. We can talk about that in a minute. And um, I was opening three restaurants at the time, and I realized that I couldn't open the gym and the businesses at the, the restaurants. So I ended up 
um, becoming the landlord for a different company that became uh, the operator of the gym in this business, in this building. And I had designed the gym, I had uh, laid it out, and I was really uh, very ambivalent about giving it up, but I, I just couldn't do both. So it was this process of, and, and since after that point, there was this process of trying to come up with a strategy to enter the business without either competing with my own tenant um, or and doing something that was interesting to me. So we, we crank, frankly, we talked to Gold's Gym about some franchises in South Florida uh, in the 90s, and that didn't work out. And then we looked turned to some other companies that we thought would be a little bit uh, more interesting for us. And then at the end of the, the journey, um, after some false starts in 2004, we started negotiating for a location uh, that I, where I knew the developer, and uh, as that location came about, uh, that was when uh, we really started to develop the concept for Vita. And what was it? What was that concept yeah. early on? I mean, what was, because uh, you're coming from such a, a different background than most, you know, fitness entrepreneurs are taking. What did you see differently? Well, I saw the gym uh, in the fitness center. I use the word gym, and it's really so old school. But uh, <laughs> the the fitness center really is a community center. And in the city, if, if you go back to the JCC model or the YMCA model um, or even the country club model, fitness places, uh, places where people go to do exercise, exercise or fitness, are places where people socialize with people um, – with whom they have, they share values. Right. And I noticed that for me, when you're, when I was young, younger, I know for me that the, the, uh, the need was for a cheap place to work out. But as I got older, I realized that there was something more that was needed for me to, to get me to go to the gym. Uh, because there's so many distractions as you get older. And as we all know, fitness sometimes is, uh, as much of a chore as it is a, anything else. And I and I, I came to realize that creating a truly um, compelling social environment was something that really sparked me to go in a in a different direction from I think a lot of my competitors. Because if you look at it, if you walk into Vita, into a Vita Fitness today, I think you'll see maybe I always say if David Barton is over in left field and Equinox is over in right field, we're somewhere in between, and that we're creative and we're edgy, but we're we're a little bit more uh, subtle than David mm -hmm. Barton, and I think we're a little bit more interesting in terms of how we uh, create the customer and the client experience than, than Equinox. But that's the box. So what goes on inside the box is really what uh, we tried to focus on. And you know, we started this company uh, seven years ago. So in seven years, we've definitely changed the uh, uh, we've changed our uh, product offering. We've changed what we are. We've evolved. We've added things. We've taken some things out. Some things have worked. Some things haven't. So when people say, wow, you're so brilliant. It's like, no, a lot of it is trial by error. And a lot of it is learning from your mistakes as much as uh, understanding what your successes are. So when you, for the, for your flagship, right? Um, do you, um, do you get, do you steal that idea from sex in the city? Just out of curiosity. Which one, the pool club? Yeah. No, you know where that came from is uh, in the early 90s, I started to go to South Beach for vacation. And it was back when there were only old Jewish retirees from Brooklyn and drag <laughs> And But it was still fun and edgy. 
And over the years, uh, we've all seen how it's developed into this incredibly uh, culturally rich uh, um, luxury resort destination. Sure. And by going to each one of the new clubs and the new uh, pools and the new hotels as they've opened, I've really been uh, introduced to some what I think are, you know, it's a very high density of really uh, exceptional resorts. Uh, it's really unlike anywhere else because there's the social component of it where it's very active socially. It's proximate and that it's 15 minutes from the airport and it's beautiful. I mean, the amount of money that people both have spent, invested and spend there is pretty remarkable given there's no gambling there. Yeah. And so uh, because of that, um, I had a bunch of contacts down there and the interior designer for Vita is, uh, is out of South Beach. And so when you walk into a Vita, there definitely is that vibe that Absolutely. is so different from what well, definitely different from what you would see say in Washington DC or in many metropolitan areas and and, and that was intentional right. and uh, you know what we what we are we are sort of the where it looks like I'm clairvoyant and it only is uh, coincidental is that you know lifestyle and building community are really the buzzwords in the fitness industry I mean Jose, you were there when we were what last week when they were talking about the trends in the business and everyone's talking about social programming and lifestyle and trying to create something that that competes with uh, these these affinity based um, you know, luxe studios whether it's cycling or or um, or yoga or Pilates or, sure. or you know all those other things and so in order to create those larger senses of community because those cycling communities are very small units but to create those larger sense of community that larger sense of community we have to have offerings that are compelling. And I will tell you that, you know, because it's, the cat's already out of the bag and so it is what it is, but I will tell you that the penthouse has been probably the smartest decision I've made since I opened Vita because it brings to us that halo effect of uh, a social component that's not strictly social. Um, it is proximate to the health and wellness component of the, of the business and it allows people to um, connect in a social way that's different than I've ever seen people connect. It's been really fun and interesting to watch. There was a, um, you, oh, yeah, excuse me, there was, there was a, uh, an article yesterday in the Washington post about how millennials are reshaping DC. Um, yeah. did you, are, are you finding, you know, an interesting world coming from millennials or are you, was it challenging at all to come into DC because it's such a staid buttoned up, you know, conservative city? Well, I've lived in D.C. for, you know, longer than most people, and I have seen the change in D.C. from a government town to a really exciting uh, urban uh, center. Yeah. And that happened um, in the late 90s when uh, the city uh, really had some new leadership that came in and, and really tried to reinvigorate the city and uh, deliver services, which is still <laughs> They got ways to go on that one, but <laughs> they um, they created an environment for investment and re uh, revitalization, and it's been it's been I don't say breathtaking because that's a little dramatic, but it has been it has really been remarkable. Yeah, um, I live in a part of town called Logan Circle, and I can walk right within a block. I have a hardware store, a dry cleaners, uh, Whole Foods, um, a pharmacy, a Starbucks, a Vita Fitness. A bank salon, uh, a Sweet Green, uh, banks, uh, some of the more interesting restaurants in the in the country are opening up, and they're all opening up within an, in an area 
that you can walk to. And to, to have walking neighborhoods in D.C. is really is really interesting. And it's a great development for those of us who like that experience. And the millennials uh, that, that I've, you know, that I, the way I perceive their interaction and their assimilation into the city or then put in their imprimatur into the city is that they, they, they care a lot less about what they live in and they care more about how they live in the city. Right. So you'll see people, people living in really small apartments because it's so expensive here and people go out. So, so they don't have people over to, for drinks. What they do is they may start there, but they'll end up at the penthouse or they'll end up at these restaurants in 14th street. And the way that the millennials engage in this, the city is, is different. And it's, uh, it's good for us because it allows us to cap, tap into that desire to go out and mingle and integrate with the city and the and urban experience. Mm. So, David, I have a, I have a bit of a, uh, oddball question for you. And I think, uh, if, if, if I will, I will allow you to take the fifth uh, if, you, if you have to on this one. But uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, one of your uh, competitors said that fitness is a fraud. Uh, I don't know if you've ever you heard that or or saw the backlash from that. But it was a head of marketing for uh, one of your competitors, and there was a, there was quite a bit of stir in the industry. Um, given some some of the things you're doing, which is incorporating making fitness not necessarily front and center as much, but adding some of these social components, the affinity uh, programming, um, do you do you agree, disagree, or sort of somewhere in the middle on that statement? Well, I, I strongly disagree because I, you know what I tell the people I say 95% of getting in shape is showing up, and if I can get someone into this facility to get a haircut or a massage or hang out by the pool, then I'm not only having an opportunity to sell them a membership, I had an opportunity for them to come in because you know what? Our membership is too expensive for someone to just pay and not use. And mm -hmm. so what we find is that if we don't engage our members, we lose them. And I, mean, I think that's true everywhere, but I think we all also understand that if I'm only paying $29 a month at Valley's or wherever, I'm not really going to cancel it because it's a really good price and you know, it's, it's it's something that I may use or I may not use. If you're paying $99 to $160 for membership, which is what ours are, you have to have that value, that perceived value every month or you're going to do bail. So I, I completely disagree that we don't engage our members for fitness because while we, we you know, we always say live, eat, look, and feel better uh, in our company, um, you gotta, you got, you won't feel better by sitting on your butt. You, you really need to engage in fitness, and to say fitness is a fraud, I think probably reflects that person's own bias, and I don't think it reflects any uh, insightful um, analysis of. Well, certainly what we do, I can't speak to what that company. Does. I don't know who said that, and I, um, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I would I suspect it has more to do with his or her perspective rather than um, the perspective of his or her company or certainly what we do. Well, I can tell you that uh, that particular person, and it was a she, uh, is no longer in the industry uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, so, By the I, way, speaking on behalf of marketers across the world, sometimes it's hard to come up with a great line. I do want to def <laughs> defend. You need to resonate. Not everybody can come up with "Welcome to Betterville," so there we go. Right. There you go. Um, so you've, you're now a successful uh, you're now a successful uh, gym owner. Um, I assume you also work out on a pretty regular basis as well. 
I am out of my office. I don't look outside. I don't know if you've been in my office, but in my office, I don't, it's like the nerve center. I don't look outside. I don't have a window office. I have an office that looks over in the atrium and I can see right now into uh, right around the corner from the spinning studio and I can look at the people on the fitness floor and in the inner fitness studio and the Pilates studio. So I literally am plugged in. If I, I, it's really hard for me to leave this building without working out. And the only way I it, I do it is if it's really crowded and and I know that I actually this sort of this my excuse is oh I don't want to get in the way of my members working out because they're paying and I'm not so when it's not busy I don't work out I try to I try to get my workouts started by about 4:30 but I work and out then, religiously. All right, so you only have one workout you can do every single day for the rest of your life. Okay, <laughs> can't yeah. do anything else but this one workout. Yeah. What is it? Well, I, if you have to do it the same workout every day, I would probably do a certain amount of cardio. I do cardio twice a week, but you know, as you get older, cardio is so good for your heart. It's, it's phenomenal. I don't know if you guys have done this test to yourself, but if you do cardio for a while and then you stop doing it, you just watch your blood pressure. Um, given that you know, the jobs that I'm sure that you guys have uh, brings its own set of pressures, uh, doing regular cardiovascular exercise is is like, that's a no brainer. And the other part, I would say you have to do strength training um, because uh, strength training is not only good for your joints. I, one of the things I've learned is that and people, I think, underestimate the importance of this. A lot of your reserve immune system is held in the lean body mass of your body, of your muscle, muscular system. So if you wanna stay healthy, not only do you have to eat right and do you need cardio, you really need to build muscle, muscle mass. You do, it's a mm -hmm. fact. So um, I would say that I would probably do uh, a circuit of interval training uh, so that I would get both uh, a good cardiovascular and I would get a good strength workout. And I would obviously want to do all body parts in one, one day. I don't, that's not my thing, but that's, I would recommend that. Were you? I wouldn't do CrossFit you, though, that's for sure. You what? I wouldn't do CrossFit, that's for you sure. You would not do CrossFit, interesting. No, no, I mean, um, CrossFit why? I think is fun. Well, I think CrossFit is fun and it's really interactive and it feeds into that millennial social uh, need. And I, I love the dynamic, but I, I smile every time I see someone coming into the gym in crutches or with a separated this or with a bruised <laughs> that because they've been throwing those damn tires around or jumping over a you know real oil barrel or doing, you know, I don't know how many chin-ups they can do in 30 seconds or whatever it is and it's just really hard on your body and it's not good for your body i think it's good for your uh you know obviously it's a great endurance it's a, it's a, it's i think it's best at endurance but there are other ways to achieve that that and as as, as i say as we get older it's like that's a really that's the that's not the best way uh, to stay in shape. well i'll tell you the reason i don't do it um and I'm going to start using your excuse, but uh, the reason I don't do it is uh, for self-esteem. When I go into those things and I see all those guys doing chin-ups and I do one and a yeah. half, I, I just don't feel yeah. good about myself. So I just go back and uh, sit in the sauna and, and, uh, and relax a little. <laughs> or, or as my friend says, I, my friend says I'm going to work out glutes, which means sitting at the, fuel, at the smoothie bar. <laughs> I mean, so you have, you have, you have a, you have an interesting uh, interesting dynamic. I mean, you're in a, you're in an, uh, your clubs are uh, in an, in in a city setting, um, and so you're going to have competition that's relatively close to you uh, yeah. because of the density of the city. But uh, and again, I'm from DC, and I've 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 walked from where you're sitting right now to your nearest competitor, yeah. and it's even by any city standard, it's incredibly close. Yeah. Now we won't really name it. So so so. 
and it's not a small your your the competitor that's near you isn't a small facility and they're not really a low price competitor uh how does how what's that dynamic like well um you know that what's what is the reality is that uh people have options and <laughs> What you're speaking to is simply the fact that people have options and we have to be on our A game. And, and because I walk into the gym every single, you know, my office is in one of our fitness centers because it's in, I see every single day how our front desk, desk is reacting to people, how our trainers are walking around the floor, how clean the facility is, uh, how many people are attending the different uh, classes that we have. I walk around several times a day in this fit. I was just at uh, another location earlier today and the, the truth is, uh, we really have to be on our A game. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's any really easy answer uh, to what you're saying. Uh, I think that uh, the competition is here and it's not going to get any less. And the only way we survive and prosper is by understanding, you know, everyone says this, but really it's by understanding and living the promise of what we're trying to deliver every day. That's interesting. So, we, we want to. I want to switch gears a little bit and, and go back to sort of your uh, little. You talked a little bit about what you know your the the path you took to Vita. Um, it, as you're going through that uh, from nightclub owner to um, to restaurateur to real estate tycoon um, and now to uh, fitness guru. Um, where what what was what were two questions really? What was your absolute luckiest moment? And uh, what was the worst decision you made as you were going through that? Uh, through my business career or through the fitness? Generally, chapter? just generally. Uh, well, by far the luckiest thing that ever happened to me uh, in business. Well, actually, you know, I can tell two stories because they're both great and they're, they're humorous. Right? The, the first business um, I started was a nightclub. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was, it was successful, but it wasn't a home run. And one day, this guy, this now remember, I'm in my 50s. So this guy who was looked like a father. Dude, like are you serious? Yeah, hold on, <laughs> no. let's stop for a second. We have, oh. we have we have video, and I don't think people can appreciate it. You're kidding I, me, I, David. Yeah, I'm, I am I'm telling 55. you, you don't look a day over 47. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> you look younger than the two of us combined. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I always tell people, you know, my, we just we just celebrated 21 years at Capital City Brewing Company, and I said, so you understand that means I opened it when I was 12. <laughs> but, right, sorry, um, we didn't mean to, we didn't mean sorry, to jump in I on just your had story to there, but I, I I don't think I think it's, it's important to note that David looks like he's honestly 24, 30, 30, I was going to say 32, 32 years old. There, yeah. I will thank you. You've made my day. Um, <laughs> so I was I was sitting in this office or in in the in the office at the at the club, and this guy in a bow tie comes in, and was just a real nerd, and he said, "I I'd like to buy your business." And I said, "Well, okay. What do you want?" I mean, he didn't have an appointment. And he said, "I want to buy your business." So I said, "Well, it's not for sale." And he said, "But I want to buy your business." I said, "It's not for sale," and I swear I said, "It's not for sale." Um, 10 times. And I started laughing and he said, well, how much would you sell for? And I just said a million and a half dollars. And he said, fine. And so I sold the first business I started um, to somebody who didn't know nightclubs, didn't know anything. I wasn't, it wasn't for sale. And that is the, that is the way I got the money to start my business. 
to, to continue my career. So why did he and, want it? And that was just one of the because uh, he was a lonely lawyer and wanted to be able to buy drinks for cute people that he would point out at the bar. And, and he drove a Ferrari and was socially very awkward. And this is his way to buy social, uh, I guess, acceptance. And wow. it was. I mean, within six months of him buying the club, the club closed, um, which <laughs> was frightening. Yeah. But, uh, and then the other one was... Um, and this so none of them are in fitness, but the other one was when um, I uh, was negotiating for the to be involved in Capital City Brewing Company. My partner uh, said he was going to raise all the money because I didn't have any money at the time. I had some, but I didn't really want to put into a beer business. <laughs> and he said, all right, uh, he would raise the money. At the 11th hour, he had no money raised. He said, okay, you know what? I will put my own money in. I will go raise the money, but I want a price at which I can we can determine today that well, I will buy you out in the business uh, once we open. And so we went back and forth and back and forth. And we came to a number that we thought was fair. And that number was based on us doing about $2.5 million of business our first year. This is back in, you know, this is 20 some years ago. So uh, we said, okay, that seemed fair. Our first year we did uh, Deal that I struck. Hold on, we, it got broken up there. What, how much? It got broken up. How much did you do? Four and a half million dollars the first year. Wow. Um, so, so that was. Um, so you do the math. So the value I got the company at probably a third of what it was uh, would have been worth. So I think the worst decision. Uh, so I'll tell you two, I have a couple of them, decisions that were, were really bad. Both had to do with Capital City Brewing Company. One, I was trying to expand the Philadelphia Capital City Brewing Company when I was mentioning it was really hot. And I had this company that was a publicly traded company. And what I negotiated this deal, we found a great location. Um, I signed the lease. And we, I put up my $400 or $500,000 in escrow. And uh, they never put up their money in escrow. The company went chapter 11 within six months of me signing the deal with them. And I uh, was was left holding the bag of a restaurant which we'd never opened in Philadelphia, which ended up costing me a really big penny. Wow. So that was one of those things where, you know, it just shows you that, Sometimes you get lucky, as described to you, and sometimes you get really unlucky. And I don't know that I really, you know, I, some people say you make your own luck. And you know what? I mean, I think there's some truth to that. But, you know, I was I had some pretty fortunate things happen to me. And I've had some pretty unfortunate things happen. There's another example where, um, well, just in terms of uh, um, one of my, uh, I've had to close another one of my restaurants more recently, 901, was a very high-end restaurant in D.C. And, uh we misfired. And when you misfire in any business, particularly in the restaurant business, it's uh, merciless. You know, the market is not forgiving. Right. And uh, we ended up selling it and not getting out much more than I thought we were going to get out. But, you know, it's, 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 that's the way I would say knock on wood. All I have is plastics in my office, but knock on wood, we haven't made any major uh, errors with Vita. Um, we've actually been really fortunate and that all of ours have done really well. But I will tell you this, I just went down to our new location, which is the Navy Yards. And that building is flying in terms of the speed of construction. And you know how you, you always expect 
projects to be behind schedule, and so you plan accordingly. Well, this project's ahead of schedule, wow. and I'm starting to get you know that sort of pre-construction anxiety about how am I going to get this thing done? How am I going to get on the time? Because this is this is the same as this flagship, you guys. This is has a Viva Fitness, a Aura Spa, a bang salon, and a penthouse pool club mm. in, in 30,000 square feet uh, in the water. It's a beautiful location, but you know, it's right on the edge of developed DC. So we're, we're, we are, we are definitely leaders, not followers uh, in that development. So is, is it harder to run a restaurant or to operate a, a gym or fitness club? I'll t- I, there's not, there's not, it's not even close. Uh, the answer is a restaurant and I'll tell you why. In the fitness business, you have people who walk in the front door, they're passionate about fitness, and whether they're in school or they want this, this career, this, they love helping people out. They love the, they really appreciate the free membership. They like the sense of community. Um, and there it's, it is remarkably easy to fill the slots. I wouldn't say at the upper level, but it's sort of the entry to mid level uh, is really easy to fill in uh, the, the restaurant business. You tend to have people uh, there's an extraordinarily large amount of turnover. A lot of people are in the restaurant business by default, meaning they haven't been able to get a job somewhere else or they're waiting for something else to kick in. It's not that they're really passionate about food. It's not that they're foodies. I mean, how many restaurant waiters do you know are just insane foodies? Not many, right? right how many right. people in the restaurant business are just passionate, 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 passionate? They get out of bed to think about service. Well, but think about how many instructors get out of bed and are so excited about teaching that class or how many people who are, are um, uh, personal trainers get really enthousi- enthusiastic about the, the results that, and the impact that they're having on the people that they are have as their clients. Hmm. So if you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you separate those two, the, the, the sort of the headspace or the, the, the size of the employee at a restaurant the profile of an versus an employee at a fitness center, um, I think it's 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 not even close. That's so interesting. Yeah, let me let me ask a follow up question. And I, I think uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit because I, I think this may be the first new question anybody's ever asked you about the industry, David. Um, what's more important in the fitness industry, good people or good location? If you could only pick one or the other, which would you pick? Um, I'd actually pick location, and I'll tell you why because. I can have uh, we're 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 doing this competitive analysis, and I can tell you that people will only go so far out of their way to go to a gym. Period. Now I think that 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 uh, that sensitivity is probably somewhat less in the suburbs because people have cars, but in the city, you guys, it's got to be either your net met. It's got to be on your way from work to home. It's got to be within x x yeah. minutes of your home or x minutes of your work, or you're not going to go. Yeah. So, I mean, I know in my own experience, if I had to go 20 minutes farther to go to a gym that I love versus this sort of and gym, I'm taking from my own personal experience, guys, I would say, you know, maybe now at this point in my life, I might make that extra 20 minutes. But I think by and large, location is much more important is is you only gave me two factors. Right. So of those two factors, I would say location is more important than people. I, I love that answer, by the way, because I feel like most people out of diplomacy would have said the people. And uh, and you make an no, absolutely yeah. perfect point about why. Would you ever go outside the city? I mean, do you have ideas for leaving sort of your comfort zone? David has never left the city's uh, limits, by the way. <laughs> it, he's, he, he, wherever he goes, <laughs> it is true. the city. He makes the city around him. <laughs> 
Vincent Gray or bust? Well, if it is true though that we don't, we, we don't all of our fitness centers and except for one, uh, except for our brewery, which is in Virginia for um, uh, uh, regulatory reasons, uh, we are all all of our businesses, all ten business units are in the District of Columbia. It's a good question, and and I, you know, I'm not so. Uh, my head isn't so big to think that I can go anywhere and succeed. Um, I get, I am, and I, I've said this publicly, so it's like I'm not shooting myself in the foot. I want to, I want to be really competitively defendable. I want to be able to defend my turf as these national chains come in and they start to try to nip at my heels. I want to have a really good and solid competitive position in DC before I start putting my toe out in, in the places in the suburbs. Do I think that we can go? Yes. I think in places like Reston, like Montgomery County, somewhere between Rockville and the, in the uh, Beltway, you know, you guys under show what I'm talking about, the Clarendon, um, Corridor. Yes, there are places if we locate well that Vita could be successful, but I have to make sure I shore up my base before I start going on playing away games. What about Miami or something? Well, you know, I would love to do Miami because there, I have even a location that I would love to do it. But once again, can't defend I, the turf. I've got to learn to walk before I run. Uh, yeah, I've got to walk before I run, you know, and, and I can talk and tell you how cool we are and how amazing we are. But you know what? I got to I got to prove that every day and I got to prove it, you know, so my competitors don't put one, but, put, you know, hang their shingle a block across the street. That's, you know, by, by the actually, way, I, I, have a, I have a question because I, I and we can come back to this real. But it's a very quick question. If you were going to open a capital city brewery in Philadelphia, what were you going to name it? Just out of curiosity, uh, we I mean, it can't be capital city brewery. No, it was independent brewing company. We were going Got to it. use their name. Uh, because, Got it. Because uh, they were the sort of the local local people. Got it. So right. just making uh, sure we are. <laughs> it's all about trademark. Um, oh yeah, listen, there's yeah. No, listen, there's nothing that there's nothing about my logic that's ex that's that's truly logical. But <laughs> that would have been a logical question to ask. <laughs> I think it was at one time the capital city. You could probably make an allusion to that. But um, before we get into sort of the 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 home stretch where we get into whether or not you're truly a gym class hero, um, what this kind of leads up to it. You were talking about, you know, needing still needing to prove. Um, what, what do you still need to prove? I guess that's my question. What, what is still burning in you that you need before this whole thing wraps up of, of this empire you've created? What before still another to... lawyer comes in and decides to overpay you for your business, <laughs> what do you need to accomplish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that happens. Um, I, I want to create a business model that is more than just uh, two or three locations. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, it's one thing to say we, we've all uh, one location wonders and uh, they are all around the city. They're under all different trademarks. Uh, and I my my passion and my goal and my you know, my, my goal, guys, is to create something that breaks out of that pack uh, and is truly something that is um a concept that's a, just a little bit different, just enough differentiated from mm -hmm. the competition that I can go out and be competitively successful in more than, you know, a couple locations. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Hossein, why don't you carry I us do. I have a couple here. of questions. First all of all, right. uh, were you an athlete as a kid? Were you, did you, did you play a lot of sports when you were a kid? 
I played a lot of sports. I was really coordinated, but I was never, I was never, uh, I was, uh, I was always beset by injury. So specifically, um, I was a skier in uh, high school and I actually, believe it or not, I was in the ski team and you know what I did? I did the Nordic ski jump, which is those crazy people that go down those trestles and those ramps and they fly down the hill and they, they go 120 meters or whatever it was. I actually did that in high school, so clearly there's not a future to that. Um, and then I was uh, soccer and I was uh, a very non-gifted, but uh, I was a non-gifted af- athlete, but I, I totally enjoyed sports. I just wasn't terribly good at it. So I, I, the question we always ask everybody, and uh, what's interesting about this question is people, uh, all the gym class heroes we've asked in the past, they, they, they are they're totally, totally uh, 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 fine talking about all their successes in business and how successful they've become uh, as they've gotten older and, and what they've accomplished in the business world. Uh, but one of the questions that always knocks people back, and they get a little bit shy about it, is when you were in third grade, and they were picking. Uh, they were picking players for the uh, for the dodgeball game. Were you one of the first players picked, or were you sort of in the middle, or were you sort of the absolute last kid who they were like, okay, well, everybody's been picked, and you know, David's the odd man out, so I guess we'll take him. I was always uh, in the top third, but never in the top quarter. So I was always. Uh, I was. I was better than average. Let's put it that way. That's so that funny. I was better than average, but not 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 top tier. That's funny. That's funny. It is very funny. So, um, who are your mentors? Who uh, who've you, uh, whether in the fitness industry or otherwise, who have you? Who do you look up to, and who've, who's helped you uh, understand and navigate the business world? Yeah, I ask that question. I really because. Um, when it comes to business, there are things that uh, the things that are the most important to me are not the skills of the businessman, but are the, the, the character, the traits that the, 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 the businessman has or the businesswoman. And I always look at, you know, our core values are honesty, integrity, and humility. And I look at those qualities because um, that's how I was brought up. And when I think of the person that had the largest impact on those qualities was probably my grandmother. And... Um, so when I when you say well who do I look up to I look up to the people who have those qualities not necessarily to the people who have the biggest success. So when I look specifically in the fitness industry, I know there are some of the the players out there who have been very successful, but quite frankly I don't respect them because I don't I don't share what I would call the core values. And there are other people, other companies who may be less uh, uh, financially successful or certain barometers are less successful. Um, that I, I find that their cultures and their, their personalities are much more aligned with what I do. For example, someone who I really respect uh, tremendously in business is a guy named Ron Johnson. Ron was my um, uh, was a part, was a classmate of mine at Harvard, and he was the one that uh, took Apple stores from nothing to the incredible success that he's had that they've wow. had in the last uh, eight years, ten years. He left uh, Apple, I believe, largely because he was not tapped to run the company. He went to work for JCPenney. And as you probably know, JCPenney, he just flamed and burned out. Um, 
I totally admire, I, I, I admire Ron so much because what he did was he stuck to what he, he knew and he owned his failure. And I, and, I, and I respect him not only in success, but I respect him in failure. He's a tremendous, tremendous man of, of, of unquestioned integrity and uh, brilliant, uh, but not always one that makes you know, all the right decisions all the time. Interesting. All right, so we we have, oh actually one more question. Um, what's what's the next big trend in, in fitness? What what's next for Vita? What's next for the industry in, in general? You know, according to last week, the you know the, 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 the I think that I think the trend that I can relate to, that I can respond to, is that the next the next trend is the continuation of the uh, fitness center as a lifestyle. Uh, is, is transmogrifying into more of a lifestyle center. And I think that that will, that is a trend that has started and will continue. Um, I also think that you know, we've talked about these uh, specialized studios that are going up. But, and so this is going to be my prediction, by the way. I think that um, these specialty studios are going to go the way of these small personal training centers that you see. Remember how these these small yeah. personal training centers were such the rage, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. And every you know star trainer started his own business. And you know what? It just, at the end of the day, it doesn't work. And I gotta believe that these spinning studios and these, um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pick those particularly. Um, I have been told by people, you know, I, I'm trying to understand it. And the spinning studios typically make most of the money by the people who are not frequent users of the studios. Because if you're a frequent user of the studio, it's much more expensive than a gym. Um, and if you're if you're an occasional user, then you can use that studio, but um, you will not necessarily pay more than for a gym. But guess what that means? Is that you you got to rely on people who don't use your facility much to make your money. And we all know that that's not that's not the way to business model, you know, does a good business model make. I got to think that that trend, when you say the future trend is going to be a shakeout in that space, because I just think that people aren't going to want to be so um, um, segmented hmm. in so, into, I don't think there gonna be enough people that are going to want to be segmented to support the kind of growth in that business hmm. that, that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, we actually, we, I yeah, I, I actually re I refer to that as the Chinese food syndrome, actually, uh, and yeah. uh, it, it, truly, and it, and it's you know it's you can only eat Chinese food so many times in a row before you get sick of it, unless of course you're Chinese. But 